thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Lord, we thank you for just a chance to be together. God, to hear your truth and your word, it's rich to us, God. Though we recognize that sometimes our hearts are hard or our minds are distracted, or there's a thousand things, Lord, that would want to run interference on you pouring your eternal, imperishable word into our lives. God, we stand this morning in Jesus' name against those influences. And God, we open our hearts ask you to speak to us, ask you to change us. God, we pray as we go through your word, let your word go through us. Let it affect us. We need that, and we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to continue on with our our Luke stuff. You've gotten two doses of Luke already this morning, Mary and Martha and the rich fool who stored up all of his treasure on earth, and yet his life was taken that very night. Praise God that our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. That's good for many of you because you don't have much stuff. But you got plenty of life as it comes from Christ. Amen? So I'm going to read from Luke 12. We'll be preaching on this idea of worry or watchfulness. Worry or watchful. And I want us to just understand that Luke puts these two stories right next to each other. We're going to read them. But they, they represent two different perspectives on the future, or even on the present. One perspective on the future is to worry about it. Will I have enough to eat? Or will I have clothes to wear? Or my necessities? Or will I have all that I want? And that view, it's a worldview, it's a way of framing your life, your situation, and your future in a certain way. And then Luke tells another story that Jesus talked about, and it was this idea of being watchful. And it's this view of the future, this sense of anticipation, preparedness, readiness for what God is going to do. God is coming Lord is right around the corner. He's coming again. There's opportunity. The Lord is moving in my life and in the world around me. And I want to be ready. I want to be dressed, ready, and watchful. And those two perspectives, very different in the life of the Christian person. One is concerned and worried and almost frozen with a sense of anxiety. that sucks our joy away and burns up all of our energy. And one is a sense of faith and anticipation to say, you know what, I know, even if my moment is difficult, that God has got good things right around the corner. I'm going to stay ready. I'm not going to get bored. I'm not going to get, like, distracted. I'm not going to get caught up in other things. No, I know the Lord is about to do something great, and I want my heart and my life to be ready. And as we read these things, as, as Luke presents them to us, as Jesus teaches us these things, even today, Jesus is teaching us these things, Man, we stand at a crossroad of decision. Sometimes we think, well, emotional or preparedness, that's just, it just happens to me. You're not a passive person in that process. We make a decision to say, 
how am I going to respond to the stresses and the concerns and the lacks in my life? And am I going to choose to be dressed and ready and prepared for what God has coming down the road in my life, in the life of my family, in the life of my church, in the life of, that I live out there? And so I want you to feel a fresh sense of perspective and, and faith and decision and conviction today that you're not going to look at the future in terms of worry, but you're going to look in the future, and it may even be like right after church today, the next moment, tomorrow, sense of opportunity that you'll be dressed and ready and prepared for what God has for you in your life. It's what it means to follow Jesus, is to be dressed and ready to go. Let's read the stories. Luke chapter 12, start with 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, is there a disciple in the room? Is there a disciple in the room? Why, sometimes you got, why does he say that twice? Who else did that today? Oh no, Xavier did that last night. Yeah. Sometimes you're just not ready for the question. I get that. The second response was good. Is there a disciple in the house? Yeah. All right, so Jesus said to you, to us, he says this today. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, your body, what you wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens, birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom, no barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds, Steve Blasky? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, add a single hour to your life, why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. Some versions, consider the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you, a little faith. And do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your, your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Man, sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out, and a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, finish it with me, there your heart will be also. Man, what profound and impossible words. I mean profound. I mean, I think when we look at this and we're honest with ourselves, that worry is a natural response to a cruel and unpredictable world. I mean, some people, maybe people a bit more like me, are a little bit oblivious to what goes on. They're just kind of in the moment. They're doing their thing. 
And other people are more thinkers. They calculate what's around. But either personality, whichever way you are, worry or anxiety or just concern, it's a natural reaction to a cruel and unpredictable world. Life, this may seem obvious, comes from food. It's just, right? We have to acknowledge that. Our mind says, I need food for life. Without food, water, air, and four hugs a day, I cannot live. My mom taught me the four hugs a day part. I'm a hugger. I mean, our natural mind says life comes from food. Our natural mind says our bodies need clothing. And Jesus knows that, and he's setting up a different worldview for us, a different framing of the world we live in. Because he says this, that life, while requires food, life is more than food. You can live life with all the food you need and not be living life. You can go into maintenance mode or survival mode. You can live sustenance, just sustaining mode. But Jesus is like, that is not the life you were born for. You were born for more than that. Life is more than food. And he says very simply, and Jesus gives us these simple illustrations to help us understand it. He's like, consider the birds of the air, the ravens, these simple little creatures. Man, they fly around. They don't work. They sit on twigs and trees, right? And yet somehow in the, in the magnificent way in which God created the world and the way our nature functions, God provides for them systematically. He provides for these birds. And I love the line. How much more valuable are you than birds? Yeah. It's a rhetorical question, by the way. The answer is a lot. You're a lot more important to God than birds. Nature is built in God's wisdom, and it's flourishing with all the stuff that whatever, the eco, whatever. But placed in the center of nature, of all that God created, he place a man and a woman and he blessed them as the prize centerpiece as God's personal signature in his image in his likeness he created humanity precious profound and perfect and while even sin came and it tarnished the perfection and it destroyed our dignity and it sought to bring shame and pain and blame and all the brokenness we find in our world, still in the midst of that, we have a heavenly father that looks upon us and says, precious, I care for them. I provide for them. I love them. All the worry in the world cannot add another hour to your life. Practically, worry is not even helpful. Science actually shows that worry takes hours away from your life. He gives us another example, King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, I mean, maybe you don't know Solomon. These first century folks, they knew about Solomon They knew of his grandeur and his splendor. Solomon was the full extension of the kingdom of Israel. 
Solomon was King David's son. He lived, what, just after 1000 BC. And the full, I mean, the queen of, anyways, everyone came and marveled at Solomon's wisdom and his wealth and the expense. He had everything a person could wish for or think of. And here Jesus says, the vast, profound resources of Solomon cannot even compare with how God decorates the dirt with lilies and wildflowers. I mean, Jesus is making a statement. He's making an argument to say, look, I know that you might naturally worry in this world, but I want you to know that the birds don't worry and God takes care of them. How much more will he care for you? That Solomon, in all of his splendor, of all of his riches, of all of his resources, he himself could not clothe himself like God himself clothes the beauty of our world. And he's making an argument from the smaller to the greater. He's saying, if this is true of ravens and flowers, how much more will it be true of you, even if you have just a little bit of faith? I mean, worry is such a natural reaction to the cruel and unpredictable world that we live in. But you know what? Faith is such a natural reaction to the love and care of your heavenly Father who demonstrates time and time and time again how much he loves you. Does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. I got to admit, like three times, four times this morning, you guys have done the, like, the bizarre spattering of clapter. You got to get together on that. When God says something good, just like don't harness the enthusiasm. It's okay. You can use your outside voice a couple times during church. But I think sometimes we need to hear the word of God and say, I do. there is a natural response to circumstances, but there is also a faith-filled response to circumstances. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get to us. A faith-filled response to difficult circumstances. I, I like to think of it like this, that, that worry, which we can't get away from worry, will always, there'll be concerns, things will happen to loved ones or maybe to yourself, unpredictable, cruel things about provision. Is there enough money is there enough love, right? Is there, what's going to hold all this together? We all get that. That's a natural thing in our life, and each one of us is faced with it to greater or lesser degrees. But let me say this, that worry plus faith, a simple but profound trust that in God you're going to be okay, equals worship. Yeah? Let me say it again. It's, it's math. I'm using it. It's simple math. Worry plus faith equals worship. I mean, you're worried. You're like, oh, God, how am I going to do this? Christmas is coming. There's no presents under the tree. The mortgage is due. So-and-so is saying these things about me. Our marriage is just stressed out right now. All these things. And like, oh, God, you know what? And then you take that worry, which is going to happen in life, and you say, but you know what, Lord? I'm choosing. I'm trusting you. I'm calling on my heavenly Father to come and address my earthly needs. Lord, you love me more than birds. 
Birds, they, they're all eating. They're fine. Birds are going to have a great Christmas. They flew south. They went to Florida for Christmas. Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm doing it right now. God, address the worry. You know my, work, my heart. And all of a sudden, worship starts pouring forth out of your life, out of your heart, putting a stake in the heart of the worry. And suddenly it's church right there at the kitchen table. Come on. Jesus knows our concerns. He knows the worry. He knows what it's like. He himself was a homeless man on earth for 33 days, years. Well, I suppose he lived with his mom and dad for much of that time. But he suffered every affliction. He knows our cares and our worries. He lived them himself. Not just physical ones, but, but emotional ones and like mental challenges and torments. And Jesus says, listen, your heavenly father knows. Trust him. I heard a preacher say one time that worship is worry in reverse. If you ever get caught up in worry and you're just like, oh, Lord, I just feel overwhelmed. I can't change any of the circumstances. The world is just crashing down on me. You need to find a place to worship. You need to put your faith and trust back in God. Maybe you can sing. It don't matter if you sing or don't. It doesn't matter if you play the guitar. Holy cow, Rena on the piano last night. What was that all about? I, Furry Lease is now my favorite song, Rena. Thank you for that. You find a place to worship, and that'll reverse the worry. Worry will spiral you down. Worship will spin you back up. The second worldview that we see here, and Luke is teaching us, is this idea of watchfulness. Worry is a sense that, man, I'm afraid of what's coming. I'm nervous about what's coming. Watchfulness says, I am anticipating great things in God ahead. The past might have been tough. I might be in a tight spot right now, but I know that the Lord's coming for me. I know that God is right around the corner. I don't have to fear the future. I love Proverbs 31. It talks about this noble and beautiful wife. One of the things it says about her is that she sees the future and she laughs. She's like, I can't wait for that. She's not afraid of the future. She's not worried about the future. But she brings a sense of confidence and hope into the future. And she looks down the road. She says, God's already there. God is going to meet me there. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to get there, and God will have prepared for me a meal. Even if my enemies show up, I'm going to sit and eat. And goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let's read the story, Luke 12, 22. Sorry, 35. Jesus said, be, re- be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. Think about it. Keep your lamps burning. Anybody here got a fireplace? Anybody like to burn fireplace? Yeah, I do too. I got a questionable fireplace. Half the smoke comes in the house and the other half goes out. It's not the best system. But I really like a fire. Here's the thing about fire. You need to have fire wood. Because right? I stick the firewood in there and it starts to go. And before long, i got to keep feeding wood into it. 
if I want to keep the fire going, right? You see where I'm going with this? If you're not feeding your fire, your fire is going out. You can't just say, let there be fire, and then the fire is like, I guess the Olympic flame is now a perpetual flame fueled by natural gas, right? We're not talking about that kind of fire. We're talking about fire that consumes and needs to be fed. Ask yourself, are you keeping your lamp burning? Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and he knocks, they will immediately open the door. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. My sentence isn't working. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, thank you, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards the daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling us this parable or are you telling everybody? Let me pause right there. So he's telling the parable. He's saying, look, you should be ready. Because God's coming. You should also be ready because there's a thief coming. God's coming to do amazing, profound blessings to use you in your life, that you bear fruit, to impact the world, to see the goodness of God flourish in your life. God's coming. He's working in your life. He's right around the corner. He is moving in your life. Be ready. Be dressed. In the story, God is the one who's reclining, not you. The servant is ready, and it may be an inconvenient time. It might be in the middle of the night or daybreak when you normally would rather sleep. It might be hard to be ready at those moments, but the Lord is saying to you, be ready, I'm coming. Are you ready? I know some people have a hard time reading the scriptures or having time in devotions or even prayer life because you're not expecting anything. You should try preaching a sermon every week. Man, you be in the word all the time. Because at some point, people are going to look at you and you got to be ready. Right? Maybe you should preach more sermons. Maybe you should, if you, if you I did this when I, um, some of us years ago, we ran the Tough Mudder, right? Woo, thank you. <laughs> He's ran like 12 of them. I stopped at one because I had something to prove. And once that was proven, I was finished. But when I, I thought of this race, it's like an 11-mile race in the sand through the who knows what, right? And I'm like, I got to be ready for this. I'd wake up in the morning. I would not feel like going out for a run. I, I, would, I would, in the middle of the day, I'm like, man, I don't want to go and lift weights because my arms are feeble and I have to somehow stop the decay of my body. I just wouldn't feel it. But I thought of myself conking out on this race. I said, I am not going to be the weakest link. I'm not going to be the guy they carry out on a stretcher. I got to be ready. And you know what? Something in me like, get up, run, get to the gym, 
have a salad. Because I was like, I got to be ready for this thing. People are coming and they're bringing cameras. <laughs> I did not want to be the guy. Uh, sometimes our biggest challenge is boredom, inactivity. You're not on the front lines, so you're not ready. Why be ready if you don't have anything happening? But if you know something's coming, if you know there'll be a moment tomorrow or the next day or this afternoon or this evening when God shows up, you're going to want to have a word for the moment. You're going to want your heart to be predisposed. You're going to want your spiritual eyes open, not to be sleeping, but to be alert. Lord, what are you going to do? Where am I needed? What's my contribution? So Peter says, oh, then he also, second thing is that there's a thief that wants to come too. And if you're not ready for when the thief comes, because we know, right, John 10, 10, what does the thief come to do? Yeah. Yeah, how many people feel like getting ripped off, stolen, destroyed? Yeah, I'll pass. But many of us, because we're not ready, we're asleep when the thief comes, we're passive, we're negligent, we're compromised, we're worldly, we're just going along with what happens in the world, no one seems to worry about it, it don't matter, and suddenly the thief comes in, who's the devil, who has an agenda to pull you away from God, to ruin the good things in your life, and leave you crushed, destroyed, marginalized, and irrelevant. That's his agenda. And if you're not prepared for that, if you're not ready in your heart to fight off the attacks, to, to, to defend yourself against the one who seeks you harm, you're an easy target. You're vulnerable. You'll just sleep around. You'll just spend all your money on garbage and, and think that life consists in the abundance of your possessions. You'll live this drama life of he likes her and you like this and this person said that and all that kind of crazy. You'll just get like gently ushered into the days of our lives. That's an old soap opera. What's the new one? Oh, Twilight. Oh, that's a different vampire soap opera. I'm a little behind on my soaps. But he says, if you're not ready, you're going to miss the opportunities that God has for you, or you're going to miss the attack that the devil wants to just come and trash you. Some of us, we grow up unprepared. No one ever teaches us how to be prepared. And we just, we're just like a ping pong ball in the world of the devil's whims. Pound it all around. And that's like the, new, that's like the normal. Jesus is calling us out of that. And he's saying, get dressed. Get ready. Be prepared. Because I've got good things I want to roll down towards you, and I want you to play your part. I want you to know the joy of living a fruitful life, of living a purposeful life. The reason that you were born and created was for life and to produce life around you. That's not just babies, although babies welcome. All right, calling out all married people, more babies. It's okay. Don't look at me like that. But the life of God, it goes beyond the physical life of children. It goes into 
righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, hold on, Jesus. Are you telling it to us? Is this this for us or it's got to be for everyone? You're not just telling us. So Jesus is like, yeah, I'm telling it to everybody, but this is what I'm telling to you, Peter. The Lord answered Peter, who then is faithful and the wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food and food allowance at their proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing who the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat other servants, men and women, to eat, drink, get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he's not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will but does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does these things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. Very striking words. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So Jesus makes the point, be ready for what God is doing. Be dressed and ready. He's also saying, be ready because the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, wants to break into your house. But if if you're ready, he won't. He won't be allowed to. In the name of Jesus, he will not be able to steal, to kill, and destroy because you belong to Jesus. And you're part of God's family. And God's beautiful arms of protection go over the top of you. So stay alert. Stay ready. And then the disciple says, well, who's that for? And Jesus ramps it up. And he basically says, for the people that have influence and responsibility for others, and I, I could start, you could say, well, that must just be the, like the spiritual leaders, the pastors, maybe the elders, but maybe it means parents who have spiritual responsibility. Maybe it means just the natural leaders in our midst who influence people. Maybe, maybe it means a Sunday school teacher or a greeter at the door, or maybe it means someone, your witness at work because you're, you're there and people know you're a Christian. Maybe it means those who know better but who don't do it. Jesus, man, the servant who just like thinks, ah, he's not here, Jesus isn't doing anything, God's not doing anything, I'm just gonna slack off, and they just end up mistreating people and abusing their power for personal luxury. Those people will be held at higher account because who much is given to, much is required. Right now you're thinking, man, I don't want much. I want to be little given, and I want little required of me. I hope that's not your response. That's a natural response. That's like a, but I hope you rise to that. Say, Lord, no, I want much. I want to be the much given guy. 
I was raised in a Christian home, or uh, maybe I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but Jesus, when you saved me, and my heart lit up, I became part of the kingdom. I want much. Lord, give me more, because I want to be a steward. I want to be a good and faithful and wise servant, and I want to just pour out my life. And I want to be ready, and I want to be calling people up and influencing people, and I want to be challenging folks. I want to see the potential in other people and bring encouragement to them. Lord, I'm not afraid of much. I want much. Because I want to be a part of what you're doing. I've heard so many of you say those things to me, maybe not so many words, but to say, you know what, I want, I want all that God has for my life. I want more responsibility. I want to be someone, I know I got to learn, I know I got to grow, but I want to be someone who's been given much and so that I get to steward that much and my life might reach out and be a blessing to people, to be a pillar in the church. You know what a pillar is? It's just something that helps keep the roof up. Be one of those people. I want to be the guy standing there holding things up so that other people have an opportunity to get blessed. You can do that in so many ways, through gifts of encouragement, through gifts of leadership. You use them at work. Why don't you use them in the church? With your finance? Man, just be insanely generous. Who much has been given, much is required. And that's not a threat. That's a blessing. So I'll end with this thought, strawberries. Strawberry is my code word to bring the worship team up today. I'm serious. Daniel was like, hey, how will I know when to come up? He told me I had a 10% chance that we'd have time for a song today. I said, no, when I give you the code word, come up. I said, what's the code word? And strawberries was the only word I can think of. I like strawberries. Let me give you these two things. I've said a lot. Jesus has said, hopefully more. Number one, worship is worry in reverse. Worship is, or, or, or worry is a reality. Anxiety is a reality for every single person, whether you show it more or whether you just bury it inside of you. Worry and anxiety is a normal response to a cruel and unpredictable world. And Jesus says, you're loved, you're known, trust your heavenly Father. And so reverse the worry into worship because worry plus faith equals simple math. Secondly, get dressed. Be ready. Let your prayers be less about, Lord, meet my needs. And let your prayers be more about, Lord, use me today. Make me a blessing. Make me an instrument. Lord, use my gifting. Put someone in my path today that I can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Because if you've been given much, much is required. And even if you've only been given a little, it's little is still required. And it's not a threat, it's a blessing and a joy to be used by God. Amen? Stand up, I'm gonna pray for you, and then we're gonna sing a song. Daniel's gonna owe me $10. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this beautiful group of people. I'm so glad to call it my family. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is so powerful in my life, so powerful in all of our lives. God, as we're gathered today and we, we or I just declare and preach your word over this community of faith, 
God, I pray that we together would rise to it, to worship in the midst of struggle. God, to be dressed and ready in the midst of distraction and hardship and our own challenges. God, make us disciples that follow you, that aren't afraid, but are courageous. Thank you that you're with us, you're for us, and you wrap your arms around us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.